0: The Womb School Podcast is sponsored by Keeping It Fresco and their In Deck. Keeping It Fresco is a soul-led and mission-driven creative agency that I, Jasmine, happen to be the founder of. At Keeping It Fresco, we create intentional designs that help people and companies fully express themselves and create the impact that they want in their communities. The In Deck is an incredible tool to help you pause during your day and tune in to yourself. Whether you're on the go or winding down from a busy day, these cards are the perfect addition to your self-care routine. These 32 cards will get you thinking and help change your perspective. Each card has its own personality and purpose. Every time you pull a card, it is a reminder to help you practice being present in all the little moments of your life and tune in. Each color has a different theme, color, artwork, and affirmation to help you tune in to the now and to yourself. Use code WOMBSCHOOL, W-O-M-B-S-C-H-O-O-L at checkout and get free shipping on your deck today. Go to keepingitfresco.com and give yourself the gift of tuning in. As a friendly disclaimer, the information shared on the podcast, including but not limited to... Text, graphic, images, and other material contained at the Wound School podcast are for informational purposes only. No material on this podcast or our social media handles and website is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Today on the Womb School Podcast, we have the privilege to hear from two deeply devoted birth workers who are actively working on making birth work more inclusive for the LGBTQ plus community. Beth Hardy, she, her, is a birth doula, childbirth educator, board certified music therapist, parent, and founder of Heart Tones Birth Services. Beth is fiercely passionate about helping birthing people know their options, tap into their strengths, and rock their birth. In her work, she saw a need for advocacy for underserved communities in the birth space, which is why she's always looking to learn more about how she can be the best doula for her clients. Her training includes hypnobirthing, labor massage, music therapy, assisted childbirth, providing culturally sensitive care to LGBTQ clients, birthing at every size and systemic racism and implicit bias in perinatal health. Callie Chasen, she, they, is a queer student midwife, doula, childbirth educator, hypnobabies instructor, placenta encapsulator, parent, and the owner of Breathe Birth Care. Kelly's mantra in their work is, any kind of birth and every kind of parent. And you see them embody this as they fiercely protect and serve birthing folks and their family as they go through one of life's biggest transitions into parenthood. Kelly is devoted to creating change and helping make birth more affirming, safe, and affordable. Especially with LGBTQ plus birthing folk. In this episode, we talk about how to create safe spaces for our queer community and how systemic change requires authentic action and not performative statements. This is Womb School and Classes in Session. Welcome, Kelly and Beth. I am so excited to have you two on the podcast. I cannot wait for our listeners to get to know you and connect with you and just love on you because I know you guys personally, and I have so much love and respect for the two of you. So I'm just so excited for our audience to get to know you too because you guys are amazing and do such incredible work for our community, specifically the LGBTQ community. To ease into this incredible conversation that we're about to have, I like to ask my guests, what would you call this
1: current chapter in your life? Um, I'll go first. So uh, for me, I think growth and connection come up a lot for me these days where I have found that in my work as a birth worker and a business owner, um, I do a lot of connecting of people with other people, kind of like you are hoping to do has mean with this podcast like um, I have found that I've lived here in Utah for about seven years and like grown a lot of connections and and relationships and now I'm able to put that into use to help other birth workers to find the right connections for them so it feels very exciting and kind of nice to be the one who's facilitating a connection and then being like okay bye (laughs) have fun like do what you're doing and I'm not the one who has to like oversee everything and control everything so um yeah connection and then growth because my business is growing and um able to meet the need of more birthing people which is really awesome
2: I think I would call mine like something about going inwards for the last few years um I've been a part of a lot of people in my life's inner work and growth and I've had to put mine kind of on the sideline whether that's due to like you know can for two therapists right now or whatever. And this year, I've just been feeling this deep, deep drive to like look at yourself, look at yourself again, question that thing about yourself. uh Is there something that you can learn here? Do you have some shadow work you need to do? And it's not fun, <laughs> and it's not always easy, but I have seen huge impacts on my own personal life from it. So I would say, you know, go inwards. Um, That would be my chapter.
0: I'd love for our our audience to get to know you guys even more. You guys shared so much beauty in these chapter titles. And I would like to dig a little deeper. Can you share your journey and tell us what led you to where you are now? It's funny because Beth is a big part of this story for me. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. um, and so I was actually really like, oh, I feel like I'm going on a podcast with someone who like brought me here. But <laughs> I'm really excited about that because I moved to Utah about three years ago. I had been a birth worker before then, but not doing a ton. I was kind of working with a birth center here and there and avoiding the call to midwifery like it was hot coals. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and when I moved to Utah, I knew I was going to become a midwife at that point, but I wasn't sure if I was going to continue doing birth work while I was in school. And I decided to, but I decided there was a lot of things I needed to change. I had kind of just started waking up to the fact that like birth work for the longest time has been pretty much for, cis heteronormative people and uh very colonized and I was starting to wake up to that and I didn't really know where to start but I reached out to Beth and I was just like hey can you help me with inclusive language and of course being Beth she did and that was the platform for me to be like okay now I know where to put my feet mm-hmm. um and from there it was also Kind of the baby queer in me was starting to wake up (laughs) after being in a very high demands religion for a long time and being shut down. And I remember Beth directed me to this like website where you could get a banner for the bottom of your website that says queer affirming. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go get that. And I get to the website and there's the banner next to it that says queer owned. And I was like, or LGBTQ owned. And I was like, oh. (laughs) It was this moment of like, oh, that's more me and I haven't told anyone. And if I just put that on my website, that's going to create some questions. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should tell people. And so, you know, kind of accidentally Beth became this point where I chose to come out and from there, I have just been like, this is my passion. I started school at Midwives College of Utah and like any organization it has its faults, but they do a really good job these days at educating on how to care for LGBTQ families and individuals. And, um, and so, yeah, I've sort of made that the, you know, my midwifery, education has been formed around that being sort of the pinnacle of it and i have big goals going from there but beth was a huge part of it so thank you beth
1: <laughs> oh, i feel so spe- i didn't know i was that big of a part of your journey that's amazing yeah,
0: yeah. beautiful the witness what a full circle moment i love that we're able to capture it
1: yeah so beautiful so awesome oh my god yeah that's really cool. I feel like that just like shows how, like when we're just ourselves and who we are and like, don't like apologize for anything that it helps other people to grow into themselves too. And it like sets this like wheel in motion of like, yeah, just be who you are. Like, don't worry about it. You know?
2: Yeah. I really feel like that's what it was. Like you maybe thought it was a small role to like do that for me, but really like it was so impactful. So
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Wow. So I can share a little bit of my journey as well. So um I I became a birth worker. I mean, I've always been obsessed with birth, literally always. I think my mom had a, a book on her shelf. Many birth workers will know it. It's called Spiritual Midwifery. It's by Ina Mae Gaskin, who is a uh, influential yet problematic midwife as some people would say however she has a book that's called this uh, spiritual midwifery and it's a it's a book that's was written in the 70s and it just has like full nude bush pictures of people like birthing on a farm and I was like six years old you know taking that off my mom's shelf and just being like this is amazing like what is what <laughs> what's this and the best with birth and just didn't know if I wanted to be a midwife or what I didn't know a doula existed. So I was like, yeah, I'll be a midwife. And, but that looked really hard and I didn't really want to have people's lives in my hands. Like I was like, I'm good. I just want to be there to help out and check out the birth stuff. <laughs> and like, uh, and then I realized that doulas were a thing. And I was like, that's the perfect fit for me. Cause I can support and be this huge like piece of the puzzle, but not the biggest piece. Well, the biggest piece is the birthing person, but like the biggest supporter, I feel like the midwife or OB is like the one who's there, you know, to make sure everyone's safe and, my role as a doula is more to make sure that everyone is seen um, and heard and stuff. So I jumped into doula work. I was working full time in California. I, I lived at a lot of different places. I lived in like four different states and two different countries. And um, at the time, I was living in California and wasn't really able to dive into birth work because I was working a full time job. and. So it didn't happen really until I moved to Utah in 2015. Um, And that was when I was really able to dive in and start my business and jump into like the birth world full force. And I really did. Like I just like dove in headfirst and was like every event, every birth related thing, I'm on it. I'm there. I'm like all over this birth stuff. And it really helped because I really was able to meet a lot of people right away and connect with a lot of people right away. Um, I met my first doula actually at Utah Pride. She had like a booth there. I don't even know her anymore. It was like a one-time blip, you know, and it was like, oh my God, where should I go? Who should I talk to? And she was like, connect with these people. And so it really, it really worked out. So, um, I have been queer and out since college, I guess. Um, so I don't know how old I am now, 20, 38, like 15 or 20 years. (laughs) So a while, (laughs) um, a while. And, and it never, um, it was just part of me, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a thing or a problem or big deal so I'm moving here to Utah it was actually very cool and kind of interesting how it seemed like very um progressive or unique to kind of be there's like openly out and queer in the birth community here and um I'm sure there probably were people who weren't stoked about me but I just don't know who they are and they never talk to me so I don't care like <laughs> I've met the people that I have connected with and love and they love me and I'm like this is great so yeah. I try to, you know find the people that that jive with me so um, that was a big piece of me connecting with people here too, is just like being out and open. And I think that helped other doulas to be like, Oh, like, what is, what, how do I, like Callie said, like, how do I like make my business a little more inclusive and supportive? And so I did a few trainings for doulas of like, here's how you can do that. And, um, connect with, you know, other trainings and giving people resources and stuff. So that's kind of what I've been doing and and my business has grown now and it's pretty thriving. It's an agency now. So I have like eight other doulas who work for me and I can do the back end of the business and bring in the clients and then they get to do the births and it feels really great. Um, Every single doula on my team, I have picked by hand because I want people who reflect my values and reflect. They're going to get, you know, my clients, whoever they are, they're going to get a really compassionate, open, down to earth, fierce advocate of a doula, no matter who they get on my team that's been really, really important. And so it's been a cool experience to have these people now in my corner that are fellow doulas who are just as badass and like awesome advocating as I am. So
0: here at the womb school podcast, we're all about educating and creating awareness. And so for those who are not in the birth world, terms like doula midwife may sound new and different. Can you two teach us the difference between what a midwife is and what a doula is? You briefly went over it in your intros in telling us about your story, but can you guys elaborate and teach our audience more
2: about what they are? I yeah. can define midwife as best to define doula. So a midwife, um, I practice as an out of hospital midwife. There are hospital midwives. So certified nurse midwife and a certified professional midwife, um, in the state of Utah, um, and basically uh, a certified nurse midwife is going to usually work within the parameters of the hospital. Um, there are quite a few hospitals in Utah that have these midwives. Um, they are a great kind of like, I'm not sure I want to do it at home, but I don't really want to know be they're kind of a good middle person, but they do have to follow hospital procedures and laws. So they do have some ways in which they can't, uh, some boundaries they can't step out of. Um, certified professional midwives cannot work in hospitals. So that's where that, you know, that's the downside there, but, um, they work in birth centers and at home and we can do all the things that obese can do. We just can't do C-sections. So, um, and we can't do high risk birth. So if there's high risk, we transfer you right over to the hospital. We'll help you find a good care provider. As long as it's not like super emergent, then you just go to who you go to, um, but yeah, we are there to facilitate a safe birth, whether that means that we need to transfer and work together with the hospital or whether that means that you can have your baby at home or the person.
1: And a doula is a non-medical support person for birth. Um, so the doula is not in charge of your health or baby's health. Instead, the doula is there as informational support, emotional support, physical support and advocacy. So they're kind of filling in any gaps um, in your support team to make sure that the birthing person is always supported as much to whatever degree they want and need to be supported. Um, Often doulas are there just as much for partners as they are for the birthing person um, to help the partner experience the birth as a birth and not as a freaked out deer in headlights. Holy shit, what's happening? Kind of a vibe didn't have the first with partners because they're like my person is making a lot of noise and there's a lot of fluids and I don't know what to do um, And so the dual is there to be like here's what's happening here's why it's amazing and awesome and here's why they're doing so good and we don't need to worry about it um and answer questions and stuff so the dual is there to help the partners feel like they're as involved as they can be and want to be but also aren't the only support person for their for their birthing person so um doula's work for the client so they hire us directly so we're not working for the hospital or midwives we work specifically for the clients that hire us um we usually just get paid directly we don't do insurance unfortunately so we just get paid out of pocket and the good thing about working directly for the client is that we're working for you so we're we're like we're not there to like be like oh well sorry your hospital policy says this 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 we're like well what do you want to do <laughs> what works best for you and how can i help that happen mm-hmm. um so that's what a doula is and then like I mentioned, fertility doulas. There, there's doulas now. The word doula is a Greek word that means a woman who's a servant, basically. So mm-hmm. it's like problematic in 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 the way, in, just in that right there, like problems. However, um, it has been used now modern in modern times as a word that means a person who supports someone else in usually within the birth or fertility realm. Um, so a fertility doula is going to help you in the process of fertility planning and processing, like how to have a baby. Um, they might give you information and connect you with providers that are good. They might help you emotionally process what's going on. Sorry. A birth doula is there throughout your birth process. A postpartum is there, doula is there throughout the first weeks and months of baby's life to help you adjust to new parenthood. Um, full spectrum doula is someone who is trained in fertility, um, abortion, birth, postpartum. So kind of the whole spectrum of reproductive care that's called a, a full spectrum doula. So there's lots of different things. I would say if you're looking for a doula, just ask them like when you meet with them for a consultation, what do you do? What, what services do you provide and what, what's your scope? Yeah.
0: yeah. Thank you so much for clarifying. I know that as a birthing person myself, before I got involved in birth work as a postpartum doula and a birth doula, the two terms seemed very foreign and confusing to me. So I really appreciate that you two took the time to explain those. So thank you so much. This helps greatly. Now I want to flip the focus from the birthing person to birth workers, wellness providers, etc whoever may be listening, that helps people with the womb. How can we create a safer and more inclusive environment for our
1: LGBTQ plus community in our work? Yeah. Um, so one thing I think is really important to say is that like, if you're not actually inclusive in your work, then don't be inclusive in your language on your website. Like don't do that because you need to back it up with actually being inclusive and doing the work to dismantle your own internalized homophobia, transphobia, all the things. Whereas you're just going to put a a picture on your site of like two sort of queer looking people or like say, you know, birthing people instead of moms. um, It's a step in the right direction. Yes. And if you're already there where you're like, I know I want to serve all people. Like I'm that's why I'm doing this that's why I'm changing my language a little bit um great and also continue to do the work on the back end of taking trainings of reading of hearing the stories of of trans and queer birthing people so that you can be like oh here's where I'm still totally blinded <laughs> in my work like I have so many blind spots so um, that's kind of what I want to say right up front is like you know, just changing the language on your site or on your brochures or whatever is like a very small piece of the puzzle and can be very, um, like showing that you're doing something when you're not actually doing it.
2: I completely agree because I also think it makes you more dangerous if you were to put that on your website and then actually not be doing the work. Cause this is life work. Um, it's not one training, one book, one podcast, whatever this is. Yes. Yes. Every day, (laughs) you know, I mean, looking over your forms again, making sure that you've made room for everyone and all kinds of families, um, going to the next training that you see, uh, you know, reading studies that were directed for the LGBTQ community, um, all of that. And so, yeah, I would just say along with those lines, you know, do the work behind the scenes too. So like, it's, it's easy to show up and, you know, use good language on your, you know, inclusive language on your website or on your social media. But, um, you know, if you are in school, like I am write your papers using inclusive language, um, read those books, uh, talk to people and listen to them. If they have things they want to share with you, listen to them and their lived experiences. It's not just one thing. It's not, you know, one day or a couple of months or one course, you know, midwives college of Utah offers courses and that's great, but it's not just one course. I can't just go and take their inclusivity course and be like, yes, check that box off. You know, it's, it's, Including this information throughout all the courses. It's intertwining how these things relate to us as midwives in our everyday practice. It's case studies that show LGBTQ families or, um, you know, experiences with working with different individuals. I think it's not just that kind of, like Beth said, not just the showy work, but it's that background, you know, doing internal things behind the scenes. Yeah. And, you know, practice with safe people. If you haven't used inclusive language before, it is a change. It takes some time, find a safe person and, you know, create a scenario or a case study in which you would use they, them pronouns or something like that and work on it. So that when you are in a situation where you're actually talking to someone where this impacts them and affects their day-to-day life, you can get it right.
0: Yes, to all of this. I couldn't agree more. And if there's anybody... That would call this out. It would be the two of you. And I'm so glad that you did because it's important to make a note of. To be safe, you need to be authentic with how you show up. Performative allyship is very dangerous and honestly can be seen a mile away. You can spot someone who is being performative when they're prioritizing their words without action rather than demonstrating the action behind the words, you know? they mention BIPOC and LGBTQ plus folk when it's convenient rather than amplifying their voices so if you are a wellness provider I hope that this call-out invites you to look inward because systemic change requires authentic action and not performative statements
1: yeah I think what I want to say too like we So we said that now your question was like, okay, how do you do it? So like, okay, if you're past that point, you're like, yeah, I know, I want to do it. I'm cool. Like, yes. Yeah. I think some just like really easy things to do is look at every single form you put out there, every single post you put out there. And change up your language like use things that are like birthing people instead of women or both you can literally d- just do whatever like put women and birthing people or you know put people with uteruses or put partners or families or partners with an s you know multiple partners like things like that and like you don't ha- it's not all or nothing is what I want to say like yes it's- you don't have to just be like okay Fuck! I need to change everything. Oh my god! Like, delete the website. Like, start it fresh. No! Like, just do it. Just have what you already have out there, and just update some words on there. Change some language to make it feel a little more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Know that you're going to get pushback from people potentially. You might get people who are like, "Yeah, but like, what about?" what about me as a woman? Like, which I think is really valid. Like many cis women feel very threatened. Well, not many, some feel threatened when they see, Oh, like, what is it? Birthing people now? Like, what, what am I like chopped liver? Like I'm not a thing now. I just don't exist. Like, like, no, that's not true at all. And what we're doing is reflecting your language, whatever your language is that you're the client and you're the person who's receiving my services. If you use, use women, of course, I'm going to call you a mom or whatever you want to call yourself. Of course, I'm going to say your husband, if it's your husband, like, I'm not going to be like, I'm sorry, like, Mm-mm. you have to be considered a womb holder. Now you are not a woman anymore. Like, no, or breastfeeding. of course, you're breastfeeding. If you're breastfeeding, if you're, if you're not breastfeeding, you're feeding. I'm going to say chestfeeding. If you're doing something else, like, it's like, mm-hmm. I think people are so concerned or threatened. They feel like, oh shit, my, my identity is getting taken away right now. And I just want to like honor everyone's identity.
0: It's
2: literally just making enough room for everyone to sit at the birth table. It's making it safe for anyone. And I I love what you said, Beth, because it's true. Like I'll tell people, you know, if you're posting on social media, if you're doing an interview or writing a paper or, you know, educating, you don't know who's walking into the room per se, obviously social media, scrolling past. You don't know if they identify as a woman or if they don't. And so you just open up the table and you say, this is for all of you. And then when someone tells you I'm a woman or no, I prefer womb holder or whatever they prefer, then you go off of that. And I think sometimes it takes that threat away because we're not, Oh, I love what, so I don't love everything about, um, mana. It's like a midwives association, but um I use this quote from them I actually wrote it down because I was thinking of it today we understand the fear of erasure but we don't win the fight for women by erasing others who also lack a name place and voice and I thought that's perfect like we don't need to pit each other against each other we just need to open up the table for anyone who who wants to be here
1: yep incredible
0: okay so We've talked about how we can be more safe and inclusive service providers through language, being authentic, actually doing the work. As queer birth workers who are actively out there serving birthing folk, what additional challenges are you seeing in the LGBTQ plus birthing community? Um,
2: I think like a big obvious one is just lack of uh representation and this doesn't just go as far as like seeing pictures of yourself or what your family looks like or reading books there are books coming out and there are things coming out but I would also say as someone who does a lot of research there is lack of representation in the research Um, I was just bringing this up to a professor the other day as we were going over trauma-informed care and there is just little to no research or resources for the LGBTQ community, unless you identify as a woman um, mm-hmm. for trauma-informed care. And it's a huge gap. Um, and so I would say that's, that's a big one that, um, you know, obviously it's not as visible as like, there's only a few books for LGBTQ birthing people. That's a problem too. But, you know, when, when the research that we're using to create safety standards for people who are giving birth and who are pregnant do not represent everyone, then we are putting people in danger. And I think that is a huge problem that we're seeing. It's
1: a good point. Yeah. Um, for me, I think one of the challenges that queer folks have when they're going to build a family is like finding safe providers potentially, or figuring out, like, I think finding a provider is like, overwhelming enough yeah just a regular white straight cis woman like that's even that like google ob salt lake city it's like okay (laughs) that's not gonna work it's too much information and so trying to find someone who is gonna validate your identity and see who you are and represent and you know respect your family and your pronouns and all those things like it can be a little bit tricky um and I think I mean, I think queer people have had a history throughout time of building their own communities and and using their own resources and figuring shit out for themselves because they've had to and kind of asking around of like, okay, who's safe, who's not, who can I go to, who can't I go to and finding out from their community members who that is. And so I think um, I think all all birth workers have the capacity to be a safe person for queer people. I do think it's nice to have some queer birth workers around too, <laughs> um, yeah. see who they are represented in the people they work with sometimes and feel extra like connected to that person and safe. So I think it's, you know, as a birth worker, if you're listening to this and you're concerned about being out um, I mean, that's everyone's personal journey. Absolutely. And, you know, if you are open to the idea of being more visible, like, be more visible, be more out, be more loud about who you are, share who you are, talk about your story, because that's just going to make your client, your future clientele more safe and feel more connected to you and feel like, okay, that's someone I can talk to and ask a question about of where to go for my, my services. And so, and it, even safe providers mess up sometimes, yeah. like we all are human and we mess up. And I think what's important is to like acknowledge it and fix it and move on, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: One well, like I just had my baby nine months ago. And so this was my first pregnancy that I was out. Right. And so it, it as much as like you wouldn't think it changed, I think it changes things. And I realized my pool of midwives because I wanted a midwife. My pool of midwives went from like this to this pretty quickly of just people who I knew were safe, right? That's not to say that some of these people might've been safe and I just didn't know it, but of people who I knew were safe. And I was just telling, um, another instructor that this was the first pregnancy where I saw a place for pronouns on my intake form. And I saw a place for, um, like my sexual identity. And, um, that's a big deal, especially for someone who, can pass it straight um, to be, you know, for my whole person to be recognized, even if you can't see it visibly, you can see it on a form and you know that piece about me. And so, yeah, it, it really is a problem. Um, And I think the more that we're open about whether, you know, whether or not we want to come out and say, Hey, I'm an LGBTQ birth worker, even just being open about being a safe
0: space is helpful. Okay. So let's go back. We talked about how important it is to have a safe and affirming provider when you are expecting a child. Doulas and midwives are known for helping folk from pregnancy and beyond, but I want to take it back. I want to take it further from there. Can doulas or midwives help people who are wanting to start a family And they're looking for safe providers that can help them through the journey and through the process. The reason I asked this is because I have a friend and a while back, he came to me and he reached out and he let me know that he and his partner want to start a family. And I was so excited to hear that. And they're planning this for the next three years. And they reached out to me because They were essentially asking if I knew anyone who could essentially be a part of their village as they start this process and look at their options. Somebody who can help them navigate all the hoops and everything they need to go through. Of course, I gave them both of your information. But beyond that, I saw how little I knew about this or knew about resources. So my goal is to find more resources and be able to, to list them and feature them here on the podcast, our website, social media. But while I have the two of you here, do you guys have any experience or if somebody came to you with this same request, how could you as student midwives, doulas, support somebody in wanting to start their family and that process?
1: Well, I know that there are doulas who are fertility doulas, first of all, who's like a specialized training that you can take. I don't have that training, but I know that it exists. Um, I think they're so smart to think about, okay, can I have someone in my corner, like in this process, like where, if you're nine months out from your baby being born or like three years out from your baby being born, like you're still somewhere in that informational gathering stage and it can feel super overwhelming. So, yeah. So I think, um. I think it's a really great idea to reach out to a queer doula or a doula who's ex, you know extremely affirming and, and connected to the community. Cause that's, yeah. if I didn't know the answer to one of their questions, I would just find the person who knows the answer. You know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah, at least I know more than they know. And I can find the person who knows more than I know and be like, okay, here's what we need to figure out for your situation and make sure yeah. that you, so I think it would be a great idea.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and well, I know, I, I definitely think certain doulas and midwives, have that knowledge and the ability to help. And Beth, weren't you just saying like connection right now is what you're doing. And that's exactly what you just described because yeah, like if they came to me and I didn't know an answer, I would find an answer or someone who could give them one. Um, but it's funny you say that because this is like my big dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just noticed how there are many, many more, um, barriers for people who are trying to have families including things as simple for, you know, a straight couple as, um, a birth certificate, it becomes such a larger process to try and have it say, you know, two moms or something like that. And so ideally as I'm moving through this schooling, I'm hoping to create a program. No, I'm going to create a program where it basically kind of cuts out all of the mentally like hula hoop part and we just get straight to like here you want to make a family here's a list of exactly how you do it one two three four five that's your steps I've done the difficult part and now you just get to follow this little sheet I give you and it takes you everywhere and it gives you resources who have already been like kind of pre-approved of like safe resources or good resources you know like a good lawyer or something like that and so yeah like I would say I'm not quite there yet. I'm still figuring out what the different laws are in the area and all of that, but headed that way. And I think it will actually make it so that people who are wanting to create families, however they want to do it, it'll just make it a little bit simpler. There's still a lot more that goes into it, but maybe it'll just make that headache a little bit less.
0: Okay, so thank you so much, You too for being here. How can our audience reach out and connect with the two of you?
1: Um, so I am at hearttonesbirth.com And um I also on Instagram is where I'm most active at hearttonesbirth, Birth, and those are the best two places to reach me. And this is Beth speaking, by the way. I don't know how how like like the same Callie and my voices sound. So I'm not sure how people are gonna distinguish us, but that's me, Beth Hearttonesbirth.com. Thank you.
2: And for Callie, um, right now because I'm in midwifery care. If you want me to be your student midwife, you can go through birth mind body. Um, I work with two midwives over there who are just fantastic and we offer great care. That's how you can have me as your student midwife. If you want me as your placenta encapsulator, or occasionally I take doula births, um, breathe birth care. Um, my website is breathebirthcare.com. My Instagram is a little trickier. It's breathe period birth period care. Um, And you can find me there. And I also want to throw out, like, if you find me through this podcast, I'll have a spot for it on my intake form for placentas. You can grab $25 off because
0: it's pretty cool that you're here. Thank you. This conversation has been incredible. I am beyond words and humbled and in awe seeing that this is only episode two. And the conversations starting out from the get-go in these podcasts are already so impactful.
2: Thank you. I appreciate being here. And it was just a great full circle moment to come on this episode with you, Beth. So thank you as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having both of us, mean it, it was awesome.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Worm School Podcast. If you like what you heard, Please tag us on Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter at thewombschoolpodcast.com. You are also invited to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. All of our guest information will be linked in our show notes and also on our website. See you next week in class. This is Wombschool.